Hey everybody, since this is my first episode as a proud new member of the Legion Podcast Network, I thought I might do a little extra intro here just to fill people in that may be brand new to the show. Uh, The idea of this show is politics, movies, and political movies. They're not always commentaries like this one, but... I'm doing a side series of having uh, my missus come and watch movies with me that she has never seen before and has refused to watch for the most part. And and we're just uh, in this series, we're just going through and seeing if she makes it all the way through the movie and what she thinks and what sort of conversations uh, arise from them. In general, I'll have one to three guests and we'll pick a movie and just sort of see where the conversation goes from that uh, jump-off point. So if you're brand new to the show, welcome. And in just a second here, I'm going to play some promos for some shows I really dig. And then there will be a brief introduction and a countdown, and then there will be the commentary, and then we'll go from there. Thanks to anybody that's checking this out for the first time. Thanks to anybody that's back again. Talk to you on the other side. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host Duncan McLeish and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school horror favourites as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms. To see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under The Stairs, signing off. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of It's unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How be did a rough you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Sion. And now for something completely different. In one big dark, dark room. room. 
Okay. Did you start it? Is it on? It is recording. Oh, okay. So, just be aware. I let the people on the phone know that they are being recorded. <laughs> I hope I should, you... I, I hope... should let you know. No, well... I meant I hope you inform me when you are recording me in our home. Because if not, we could have issues. Well, I mean... Well... The time we were drunk. I didn't know that we were recording us. <laughs> so that doesn't count. Um, I wasn't even gonna... I wasn't even thinking about that. We, but you're right. I don't hold you accountable for that one. Okay. So, welcome to episode two of the special series. What? I'm shaking my head at him so he doesn't say electric boogaloo. <laughs> but you have to. It's like... You don't. Shave and a haircut. <laughs> No two can resist the old shave and a haircut. Roger. Roger. Roger, no! two of the unwatchables or the unwatched i feel weird calling them the unwatchables because we're watching them okay but, uh i know the coolest title so far i mean the unwatched is fine i know grammar is really important to you um after five years of marriage and i'm not getting in the way of that so you do what feels right to you okay well Welcome to the second episode in a special series of shows where my wonderful wife, Vice Abbott, puts aside her differences with movies she hasn't seen and sees if she can make it all the way through. I am expecting at least once or twice, especially if we keep getting suggestions, that you may walk out and I may, may finish, finish the, uh, the movie by myself, but we are starting pretty far back. Uh, we, we did the Deliverance episode for its 45th mm-hmm. anniversary. This too, right? Yeah, this is also a film that's 45 years old. Uh, in about a month, it will officially be 45 years old because it came out in August August 30th, 1972. A little film written, directed, and edited by Wes Craven. Hmm. And produced by Sean Cunningham of the Friday the 13th fame and other things. But um, you're just letting me talk. What do you want me to do? You're making the weirdest face right now. Is it my official face? (laughs) Maybe. Um, So this is the 1972 version, not the 2009 version. And this is going to start... We're going to count down three, two, one, and you will see the MGM lion, and you will hear it roar. Uh, so Did least... you say the name of the movie? Should you say the name of the movie? Or does it matter? Oh, well, I can't remember if I said it. I'm sorry. You didn't. That's I why didn't. I'm asking oh, I you. I thought you asked me if I did. 
I asked oh. you if you wanted to. I thought you I, asked if I did. I thought you wanted to. <laughs> Suit yourself. <laughs> I'm easy. Uh, that wolf. What hump? Why are you talking that way? I thought you wanted to. No, I don't want to. Suit yourself. I'm easy. There. Wes Craven's 1972 <laughs> last house on the left. You are going to... I'm going to count down. Three, <laughs> two, one. <laughs> and you will see the MGM lion and you will hear it roar. <laughs> if you don't know why we're laughing, then I did a good job editing. <laughs> okay, so here we go. In three... Two, one. I like how you looked over here like I did it. I don't even have the remote. I, well, I never mess up. So, there's the events. Oh, yeah. So, I was uh, asking if this was like the beginning of the, um whole this is a true story and Darren brought up the very good point that it is not the beginning of that. I feel like it's a, an ex- I don't think it's the first time any a movie explicitly said this is based on true events. I mean, God, wasn't Texas Chainsaw Massacre already out? I forget. Um, but also I think it's uh, an extension of the William Castle showmanship of scary movies and all that stuff like there's a there's an ambulance in the lobby or can you make it through and we've got electrical prods coming up your butt <laughs> that's the tingler kind of <laughs> um I mean, and Darren also reassured me that to his memory, nothing bad happens to the dog. Because yeah, I always got to ask that because I got to be mentally prepared for that sort of thing. And yeah, I'm totally. Texas Chainsaw Massacre doesn't come out for two years. That came out yeah. in 74. Okay, so men, man, husband, man. What is y'all's obsession with ladies in the bathroom? I thought you were just curious what Wes Craven's obsession which you said might be his extremely religious upbringing. But I'm just like, I don't find bathrooms particularly like erotic. Like that's, I guess a lot of people have sex in the shower and stuff. I mean, I'm not like against the bathroom, but it just doesn't like, it's not a big deal to me. Um, But it's uh, obviously a, a popular theme. Is it the voyeurism aspect? Is it, it the vulnerability? It, I would think it's a bit of the voyeurism and a bit of the opportunism because anytime, and it's an easy plot device. How do you get a woman naked? Put her in the shower. Oh, or, you know, yeah. I, I there's think, no setup required. That yeah. makes sense. And also, I feel like it's a, mis- it's a mystery. You know, what's going on in there, especially for younger people. Oh, you know. uh, y'all wonder what we're doing. And I don't, I am not girly, so I don't do any weird girly stuff in the bathroom. So that probably never occurred to me. But yeah, I mean, if you're used to seeing people with hair did and makeup and it can seem kind of magical, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you missed it. Uh, 
but the sheriff or the mailman or the sheriff sheriff mailman uh, <laughs> was dropping off birthday cards because it is uh, Mary's 17th birthday so in the 70s would this um, was the ratings system out yet yes so would it have had, um, what kind of rating would this have had and who would be seeing it and where? Like, would this be the kind of thing you could just go down to the movie theater and see or would it only be in like art house theaters or would it only be in like porn theater? Like what, what, how risque or challenging was this considered when it came out? There was a lot of controversy when this came out. I feel like it originally had an X rating before they cut it. Okay. Uh, it played in a lot of theaters. I mean, it made th- over three million in the box office, and it had a budget of under ninety thousand. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I don't know if it was playing in every theater down the street, but it had a wide release. And it had a wide enough release that uh, some of the actors, especially a couple that you're going to meet before too long, um, had had some trouble with people that had seen the movie. And would uh, I think the guy that played Krug... Um, the main, the main uh, person, uh, I th- think, unless it's one of those things of lore, but I think he had the cops called on him because someone saw him and uh, didn't really separate the art from the reality. This, uh, the version we're watching is the unrated version. Oh God. Okay. I've seen the unrated version before. It's not... uh, That much worse? Correct. So we already got... I mean, it's like so much going on. It's hard to like stay on top of all of it. But we already got to see boobs. That was like less than a minute in. Mm -hmm. Um, And they made a big thing about her tight shirt which is just like so sadly hilarious considering what we all wear now but it's also like um i'm interested to see how that plays later cuz that kind of asking for it kind of thing mhm uh and as for merit i know you like you can deal with a lot more shit from a movie if it supposedly has good merit or anything like that, or critical reception. Roger Ebert gave it uh, three and a half stars. I give zero shits what Roger Ebert thinks. <laughs> but um, Okay, 61% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes? Well, that means slightly more to me. Um, yeah, I don't, uh, it was censored in a lot of countries. It was on the... 
I believe, yes, I believe it was on the video Nasties list of banned films in the UK. Uh, which, um, Duncan, a podcast on the stairs, he had a show with, uh, where he and a friend of his, I believe it was Andy Blockley, I, I don't want to mispronounce his name, they went through all the video nasties. And some are much, oh, nice. some are much uh, better films than others, I guess. Oh, I'm sure. Know? So. Oh, is that our, you know, escaped criminal setup? Yes. Two prison guards. And a German Shepherd. Um, a crazy animal-like woman killed the dog. Interesting. Like these men who have these history of doing these horrible things are described as human beings, but the woman with them, the fact that a woman could be part of anything like this, she has to increasingly multiple times be described as animal. <coughs> I mean, what does that even mean? Uh. Saying bad happened to Kitty. It's not Kitty's fault. I don't I don't think so. Okay. It Yeah. Uh I don't know why the Kitty. The woman is described as animal like at this point. She uh I guess like a lot of villainous women especially in early movies is kind of wild-eyed wild-haired uh and until you see more of the movie i can't really describe her much yeah i mean she looks pretty normal to me right now i mean she doesn't look animal-like she's got rollers in i i mean Poodles, poodles wear rollers. He just got a side eye for those of you listening at home. Um, I don't think I realized they were adults or convicts. I think I thought it was just boys or oh, slightly older boys. Teenagers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, uh, he's the only teenager. And he is the son of, you probably heard that. I wasn't sure if you caught the whole, he's, 
addicted his son to heroin to keep him controllable. So now the um, the film, I'm trying to think of the words that I want to use, like quality, do you think it's set up to, do you think the goal is to be kind of like home movie-like, or do you think it's to, it's just a reflection of what was popular at the time? No, uh, Craven, I, I read a biography of Craven after... Well, I was reading it. I was reading it before he died, and I finished it after he died. But when they were talking about this, he was really into sort of raw, and it was partially a budget issue, but it was also to keep it real, to make it feel worse, you know, so you don't escape into the fantasy. You know, that's why there's the whole this was based on true events. The, I mean, here it almost looks almost like a doc, like a documentary. A little bit of shaky. Krug is part of the basis of the name Kruger. Who, which one is that? That, the main guy, the, uh, him. Okay. So he was part, David Hess, if you want to know the actor's name. Um, who also, uh, wrote the uh, the soundtrack. Let me know if I'm turning it up too loud. I'm just trying to keep track. I'm, let me know if I'm talking too much. Well, that's the point of it is for us to talk. It's just yeah. hard with the movies I haven't seen because I'm trying to like keep track of the movie and make good conversation. Oh, you know, I I think there were there were there were parts in the Deliverance where we were quiet for long stretches and. If people are watching along or if they've seen the movie plenty of time, nobody nobody complained to me about our silences and deliverance. What were they trying to get? Pot. So now they're they did the clothes and the alcohol and drugs so they're just hitting all the the no-nos yep and i i don't know but i kind of thought that when he first told them no uh that he then realized that he could make his he either realized that he should probably uh, try to get them up in there to make his dad happy or he was initially fighting the urge at the beginning and that's why he first told him no and then his uh, 
smackometer. Yeah, it's a great way to get company. Generally speaking, should not buy drugs from people you don't know on the street or go to an apartment of someone you don't know. Not that that means you deserve anything that happens. Well, right. Just, I don't right. think that, but I'm just, I'm interested. I'm curious. What about what happens? Or... Um, thinking about, um, whether or not I'm going to be mad. The first time I saw this, I thought the mom was Sally Field. <laughs> She'd been younger than that at this time, right? Would she have been? I think so. In the 70s? Yeah. I'm trying to think of the first thing I saw her in. I mean, I feel like she's um, her mom's age. Oh, you're already looking it up? Yeah. You keep watching. She was born in 46. So in 72, she would be... 28. So yeah, I guess...
think it's so interesting at this point she didn't even try to get out the door. Mary? Uh-huh. I'm not saying it's smart or stupid or anything. It's just interesting. Oh, the sideburns. I'm sorry. I know this is really serious stuff, but... I mean... I mean, I'm not going to say that's the most horrifying thing that happened, because that's really flippant, but... Um... That was scary. soundtrack right here. Yeah, it definitely is. Kind of. Uh, that's, that's one thing that I think a lot of people notice or poke, poke at is the bumbly goofball music or whatever that is in parts. Yeah, I mean, what what's the intent of that? I don't know if I've ever heard anybody go into it. Yeah. he been in stuff? Oh, what, her dad? Well, the only guy on the screen when you said he. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, I was sort of thinking about how casual people still, I know this is a movie, but you know how casual people still were when their kid hasn't come home after a night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you're, I don't, you're, I don't know what your parents would have done, but my parents would have flipped out. But they wouldn't have thought, I, wow, my mom might have thought I was hurt. But they would be mad at me and think I was somewhere being bad, not worried, I don't think. But maybe if I had supposed to go to a concert, I mean, my parents let me go to concerts. and But I don't know if I should say this on the air, but, you know, my... My that's why my dad would get cars for us. Oh, was it? So he knew. So it. he knew that you'd be coming back. Yeah. To, to yeah. So. Okay. So my dad would sometimes get us like yeah, get a limo for the concert. Me and my friends would go, and then the driver would wait, and then take us back. So it was kind of that way of knowing mm. that somebody was going to make sure. We got home okay. Oh, wow. Dick Towers. Or Richard Towers is the dad. His trademark is those white, are those white sideburns. Oh my God. It's According so terrible. According to the Imdaba. 
No, he was, uh, he was in some deadly weapons. Uh, let me die a woman. Flesh pot on Forty Second Street. Keyholes are for peeping. GG goes to pot. <laughs> Horn of plenty. Oh my god. Cauliflower cupids. <laughs> the procurer. Sin in the city and murder in Mississippi. Going oh, backwards. Okay. Yeah. He was called Dick Stone in 1965. <laughs> Instead of Dick Towers, which is... That's good. Yeah. Eating her birthday cake. So he's a really good dad. (laughs) The soundtrack was re-released on vinyl for Record Store Day three years ago. (laughs) I mean, have fun lying in your pockets, I guess. What? Uh, it's not very good. <laughs> oh, they were both in there. Yeah, just one was put in the trunk off screen. That was uh, Sadie that bit him. The older friend. Good for her. Never let him take you to the second location. There's her mailbox. Oh my god. You might recognize the other cop. Let me know if you do. You'll... Definitely see him closer up later. So you don't have to.
Like, seriously, the girl is missing. And there's a broken down car in front of the house that wasn't there. You don't even get out. These cops are the worst. Connie, shut it. I mean, like, what if you don't have any pee? feel like they want to punish them. Well, right. But it's just like... Yeah, I mean, she still doesn't seem animal-like. She definitely is weird like the rest of them. Right, but there's like, there's nothing to distinguish her from the others. And she's, if anything, been not as bad. So I don't know. Uh, do you think Junior wanna was not being able to handle the obvious violence and he thought that this would be less violent? Or what do you why do you think he uh said stop making them punch each other and make them make I mean he's other. obviously like not comfortable but at the same time he's not doing anything about it either Thank you. 
So that's the. What? Second rape? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we don't know. Never let him take you to the second location. They looked like they were passed out, though, or already knocked out. Yeah. Do you recognize that cop yet? The one in the front or the one in the back? The one in the back, the younger one. Maybe? Oh. No. No? It's on the tip of my tongue. Do you want me to tell you? Sure. He's the dickhead karate teacher from Karate Kid. Oh, okay. Fear does not exist in this police station. Does it? As a mostly sexual criminal, do you think uh, his knife is a phallic symbol? I guess all knives kind of are, yeah. whatever, but he plays with it a lot. And... Good for her. Did you hear what she said? Yeah. I mean, I guess at least they're not playing that music during this part. Are we going to do Devil's Rejects in this series? If you like. Do you want to do Devil's Rejects, or are parts of this making you think of Devil's Rejects? Well, yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, I walked out of Devil's Rejects in the theater, and it, 
is supposed to be like an homage to this era, right? Yeah. Definitely. So, so. I mean, we can do that one next time if you want to have it closer or if you just want to have it in for comparison at some point. I mean, it's up to you if you want to go in chronological order or not. I'll probably mess that up eventually, so I'm not married to that idea. I think starting with two of the... Classics. Yeah. Dad's a doctor. I don't know if he really worked with addicts, but it was established earlier on that he's Dr. Dr. Mary's dad. I don't know what they're... Uh... Does all he have is a stick? Yeah. Then why hasn't she punch him in the face and run away. Why didn't she try to run away any of the other times? Yeah, that's true. She's the... The good girl who... She's the innocence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Phyllis. Doing what any... I don't, I don't know about stopping to flip off. I, I... But I don't... I've never been in that situation. But, I mean, Phyllis generally does a lot more of the things that people say you should try to do to get out of hostage or rape situation. Yeah, and again, it's not to blame Mary at all. Right, she just... She's scared. She's scared. Freaked out. And and when you're in danger, you should do whatever feels safe to you. So, you know, I always say don't let him take you to a second location because that's something I've heard and something that I practice. But, like, yeah, you idiots. Um, but I don't, um, yeah, and I never judge someone. You do what you think you need to do to stay safe. So they're off. And it's got to be so real, surreal, because, I mean, she knows that she's so close to her own house. I don't know if uh, Phyllis uh, in which direction she ran, but I bet she ran in the opposite direction of Mary's house. I was uncalled for, but I understand why. Yeah, I don't know what uh, what year it was when movies stopped having anyone other than bad, you know, like when they switched to only bad people smoking movies or whatever. When I'm. They, oh, go ahead. When they changed to the homophobic slurs. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm not excusing it, but like under the circumstances. Uh. But as far as her running in the yeah, I mean, she 
We don't. We know that her and Mary have been friends for less than a year, so we don't know how well she knows this property. Oh yeah. So she's, and that's, I mean, part of what is scary about the woods, right? Like you can just run in circles and you can get lost. And I mean, I think at this point, it's just like keep moving. Yeah. Everybody's as unfamiliar in in the of these people. You know, luckily it's not a woods that, uh, crude or Sadie, is Sadie the bad, yeah, Sadie's the bad lady's name. The weasel, Podowski. Now, is she hurt or just tired? Do we know? A little bit of both. Okay. Other than the beatings they've got, at least one or two of them have been slashed a little bit with the knife. And her clothes are cut. Thank you, Jesus. So close. This is the scene that they showed at the, um, what was that series? There was a horror movie series. Uh, on cable, uh, like a countdown or a top ten. They had like Eli Roth and Rob Zombie and all those guys on talking about stuff and scariest scenes or whatever. <laughs> it might have been on MTV. I don't know. But this or Spike or I don't know. Bravo or something. But this was on it. And this was the scene was it? that they showed. And I remember it was kind of weird watching it because it was like almost more traumatizing I think to see some of the stuff out of like out of the context of the whole movie and just like thrown up there so how how much of that scene had you seen um or just is it still going yeah just the little they it was just clips oh. so the little clip of her Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> what, with the cops running out of gas? Cops are the worst. All cops are out of gas. Oh, good for her. Good for her. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, this was the scene that they showed on that show. And was that what, uh... Had you already not wanted to watch the movie? Well, I already knew the... premise. Ooh, I never noticed her twisting the knife. Eyes are closed, listeners. It's shot to, uh... Willow and Mary. I would probably run away and go to rehab. That's just me. Oh, if you were. So why? Junior. Why the? pants down do we know uh she was sitting there and they grabbed but it looked like they stabbed her pretty quickly was i mean they could have ripped the button off her clothes before there could it was be just a, part of the torture and uh-huh there's a couple uh deleted scenes and lost scenes if i'm not mistaken i don't know if she was raped again <laughs> that was pretty funny. They should have known better than thinking that would end any differently. Not them, the cops. Eyes are closed. When do you want me to... What? When do you want me to let you know to open them or whatever? You don't have to. I'll... Okay. Yeah. That's... Watch or don't watch as much...
guess what you're thinking right now. Um, I was trying to hear, it sounded like somebody was saying something. Oh, it's all in the song. Oh, okay. Do you think they would have been able to do anything had they made it back to where the car was? I mean, if they found them, yeah, possibly. If they heard gunshots. I mean, they're both armed. I don't think those people would have hesitated to kill the cops, but I also don't think they want to go back to jail. sounds like Muppets music. Yeah, it's really like, I'm not sure what the intent is. Now, we got a record of Kyle Wood playing quite a way. Now, this is police business and this is in the middle of 
Is it to emphasize their bumbliness? But it's not the only time they've done it. They also did it with the, oh, the right. criminals loading the girls into the car. And I don't... <laughs> Do we know where we are? Um, somewhere around New York. I know it was uh, shot in New York and Long Island and a little bit of Connecticut, but I think it's also set in New York. I think that's where the concert was in the city and this is somewhere out in the sticks and it makes sense because I think around this time uh, Craven was living in New York also Oh, it's he. He's in withdrawal. Yes, I think he's hasn't had a fix since the night before. Is that the phone or the TV? TV. What? Oh, in case that they're on the news. Their daughter is missing, and they just let a crowd full of strangers into their house. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is 
No. I don't know. Uh, well, Craven was really into the classics, like the Greek classics and shit, and this is partially based off those. So I don't know if he threw in that extra, like, the the whole guest host thing. Yeah, you you know you probably know more about it than I do, so I don't want to pontificate. Since when do you not want to pontificate? Right, but since the signs tell the folks for, at home. For yeah, for those of you uh, listening that don't know, it there was a lot of uh, I don't want to say structure, but there was a lot of importance based on the whole guest host relationship in classical Greek stuff. Like, you... Uh, if someone took you in as a guest, then yeah, they had to be very open and very giving, but also the guest had to be very reciprocal. And there's a lot of understood formalities or informalities that were supposed to be followed. And violating those were shit that brought the gods down and <laughs> turned you into a spider and that sort of shit. Although the, the Arachne was turned into a spider because she thought she was better at weaving than whichever goddess uh, was into weaving. So they just figured out that they're at the girl's house yep. because of the pictures? Keystone cops or... Still walking. Notice that bite mark? Mm-hmm. So he's a doctor? Yes. So he's observant, you know, used to noticing stuff. Probably didn't. Uh, well, I mean, he didn't seem, like, totally negative about it, but, you know, wasn't sure about having a bunch of guests when their daughter's missing. Just thinking about train spotting that day probably give you some wicked nasty uh-huh. withdrawal images and hallucinations crying loud enough for everybody to hear at dinner he's drinking faster than I drink wine 
in her bedroom. I'm sure you can feel great about yourself because you took away the thing that was of most value to them already. And it still didn't make you happy, did it, dickhole? Where do you think they got that bottle of Jim Beam? Oh, it... They took it out of the... Uh, like her cabin at the house, I'm sure. Or maybe it was in the car. Maybe. We were worried about, or I was worried about the air conditioning. We were going to have Connie snoring in the background. And now it's as louder, louder than the AC. At least she stopped growling at nothing. It probably wasn't nothing. It might have been the mail or somebody getting in or out of a car. Whoops. Did you catch that? I'm nodding. Sorry, y'all can't see me nodding. Like so, you are wearing my daughter's necklace. Well, I mean, was it custom? Did they establish like, that? I mean, a lot of people wore peace signs back in the day. I'm not saying she shouldn't be suspicious. I'm just saying. Yeah, I suppose. I guess it was probably more standing out more for her because she had just given it to her it you know it, was, it, it would at least strike a, a familiar a lot more familiar than oh those are those earrings I gave to you five years ago for Christmas I mean yeah no I didn't think it was weird that she noticed would you go right away into a suit suitcase uh, excavation? I would never let a bunch of strangers into my house when my child was missing. So this would not happen to me. I mean, is it wrong to snoop? Sure. But I'm not surprised. like I sit around and watch this all the time but when I got really into Wes Craven I probably saw this once a year for a few years at least really yeah mm. 
was even more desensitized back then in high school. I might feel differently by the time the movie's over. Right now I'm thinking it's not very good or enjoyable. I don't know why someone would want to watch it multiple times. Gotcha. Not you're a bad person for wanting to watch a scary movie over. I mean, I used to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre all the time. Well, that's that's a much better movie than this. I mean, that's one of the best horror movies and better than a lot of... I mean, it's different. It's, it's funnier. <laughs> it is uh, definitely a lot funnier. And. Although this has had its moments. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely Tobe Hooper's best movie. <laughs> Agreed. Especially since we're counting, uh, well, it's, I think it's better than Poltergeist anyway, but since we're, at least I kind of count Poltergeist at least half, if not 80%, Steven Spielberg's movie. Oh, well, yeah. I always forget that he dir he directed it? He was the producer, oh, okay. but... No, people... I mean Toby Hooper oh, directed it. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting how surreal it got, and it's hard to tell what's dreams and what's real. But they really found her body. They really went down and found her, and she... Yeah. But then he had the dream about them. Taking his teeth out with the chisel. Their guilt is catching up with them, or just... I don't know. I would Im I would imagine it would probably be a lot for your mind to process when you're sleeping after you've done wretched shit like that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know. We don't know a lot about them. Do they always have nightmares? You know, do they... Or is it the specific... I mean, it sounds like this situation's... It seems like this is an unusual situation even for them, right? Yeah, I don't even know if they knew each other before prison. And, like, it wasn't a planned home invasion. You know, torture type of thing. They really did mess up their car and didn't realize this was the girl's house. Um, so it's kind of a combination of unusual circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might be a bit more useful than the wrench he was swinging around a second ago. I don't mean to laugh. It's not funny. I'm trying to think of the right way to describe it. Where it's like, you know, trying to figure out like, hey, wait a minute. This, no, this. 
do you think that was where Tarantino stole the whole uh, pawn shop scene? Uh, no. No. Maybe. I mean, well, I mean, it's. I feel like it's common in more than one. So they really did have her body on the couch in the room. That wasn't a flash to her anywhere else. And he was hitting on her because he's a perv that hits on everybody. Uh, I don't know if you caught her saying, let's go somewhere where my husband isn't. some more of uh, Wes Craven's obsession with booby traps that you see. Is that a thing I haven't really ever noticed or thought about that? I mean, that's a big part of Nightmare on Elm Street. Or not the whole movie, but the climax. Yeah, yeah. Nancy sets up all that stuff and uh, I think it had a little bit to do with in his his early Baptist, uh, Southern Baptist times, there were a lot of uh, survivalists and uh, stuff like that. What? Where did you think I was? Going? I didn't know how Baptists <laughs> were connected to booby traps. I was waiting anxiously to find out. It's a well known fact that <laughs> Baptists are more into booby traps. Um. Lutherans are into poison. Uh, <laughs> let me think. Catholics just do the guilt. They, uh, they just kill you with guilt. Yeah, they make you kill, kill yourself. Yeah. Uh, not sure about Episcopalians. And I, you would have thought that snake handlers would be more into poison because it's more readily available. Oh, yeah. Here he goes. There's also a higher immunity amongst those people. So, I know they established the phones are out so that nobody would be like, why didn't they just fucking call the cops? Yeah. This is still, like, super interesting because it's, like, it's just really interesting. What, the phones being out or what they're doing right now? What they're doing um, because it's not like we're going to try to just detain them until... We can get a hold of the cops. I could see that. You know, like, the phones were out. We have to figure out how to, like, lock them up and then go get help. And they did establish that the car's not here, you know, that they're remote. But, I I mean, it doesn't even seem like that has crossed their minds. No, it doesn't. And I, I would have to say... Uh, your little thing. That hurts a lot. What did she do? She got his uh, dick caught in his zipper. Oh, okay. His poor little thing. 
which is a great thing to tell a sexual criminal. like a good knot. Feed the fishes. Nancy had more elaborate booby traps, but that was good enough. Yeah. But like, like I was saying, I don't know if I would call the cops. I probably would, but the people that... Wow. 
I wasn't expecting that. Proves a big piece of shit. I mean, he was before this, but. <laughs> the face was pretty good. You guys probably wish you could see my face right now. Describe it. I don't you describe it. You're looking at it. Well. I think you're uh a little bit excited. Almost a smile. The electrocution of Krug. Oh yeah, that was great. But why did she turn on him? I mean... Maybe she heard him make his son kill himself. Uh, maybe she's a little annoyed that she watched her boyfriend rape two girls a bunch of times. No, I mean, I'm, I'm glad. It was just, I didn't know if it was, like, out of self-preservation because she was going to try to, like, mm. if she got away, oh, like distance I... herself from them or they were making me do it or if it was actually, like, she was upset. I think she's been gradually getting upset with him through the movie because she seemed 
I mean, she definitely took part and enjoyed the sadism right. and the murder. Yeah, she's definitely not like an innocent actor by any means. Jackass. I did. I mean, get it, it is dark, but. That's their pool. I'm assuming. how the cop told him to stop and he was like nope <laughs> can't hear you over the sound of sweet revenge I mean what's it matter like what what are you gonna do put me in jail forever I mean my kid's dead what does it matter that was last house on the left was 1972's last house on the left I feel like it is less gonna get less than a, the glowing review you gave Deliverance. I did. I did actually really like Deliverance. Uh, and I thought, but you know, I did think about it for a while. Yeah. Like for the next few weeks, I was still like thinking about it pretty often. And that's one of the reasons that I'm cautious with this kind of stuff. Cause it can get in my head and then I just can't stop thinking about it. Um, it does help that so far, you know, I've known what to expect. I feel like that makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. So, like, I didn't know everything about what happened in the movie, but I knew some of the stuff. So I was, um, you know, somewhat prepared, which I think helps in terms of being able to... Um, tolerate it. I mean, obviously... Probably from the filmmaker's standpoint, they wouldn't want you to know anything because they want you to be shocked and surprised. Right. So, why is this movie so popular? This is one of the movies that is more part of the horror movie canon rather than, you know, like, uh... Right, why? Because it's, uh, Wes Craven. Because it's 1972. They're, uh, well, I mean, it's, since it's Wes Craven, and he had such an effect on the genre later on, especially with, like, the, you know, The Hills Have Eyes, Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, his more liked movies. This is just, you know, the early works of. Mm. Um, I think that's a weak 
explanation. I think people talk about this movie a lot and talk about how great it is and how important it is and how it's had such an impact on the genre. I don't think it's just because it's one of Wes Craven's first movies. Well, it's also, I would say, and I'm sure if you dug into, you know, into the grindhouse, this is this was kind of bringing the grindhouse closer to the mainstream, or at least two more mainstream audiences. Okay. Uh, I'm nodding, for those of you who can't see me. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. I, I mean, it's also Sean Cunningham's uh, involvement in it. Um, but yeah, Friday, but Friday the 13th hadn't come out yet. No. So was this like the first slasher movie? Or were there no, ones before the, this? It's argued what the first slasher movie was, but this is never really in there. Okay. Um, trying to think of what else. I mean... It being banned in lots of places and everything obviously increased it, the taboo of it. So people like it because it's cool to like it, not because it's good, is what I'm getting at. Is it good and I'm not getting the good? Or is it just one of those? Because, okay, like, like A Clockwork Orange, I feel like is a movie everyone should see once. I think it is good. I think it is worth, you know, some of the hype. So what I'm trying to figure out, is there some kind of quality here that I'm missing? Or is it just cool to say you like Last House on the Left? I don't know if it's cool to say that. And I can't speak for anybody else. And I'm sure some of the people that know more about horror movies would have more of a academic explanation. The reason why I like this movie, or the reason why I watch this movie, is because... It gives me the feeling that horror movies, I don't know, supposed to give people. This movie makes me feel uncomfortable no matter mm. how many times I've seen it. it. It gets a reaction out of me mentally and physically. Oh, that's interesting. Because I didn't find it scary. I found scared. it disgusting. I I probably, and like I said, I used to watch this all the time when I was just getting into horror movies. And it was one of those movies that was easy to find because you look up Wes Craven and it's there in the list. It's not, what, the snoring dog? <laughs> the dog, sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, but I, I don't think I've watched it since we started dating. It is brutal. It is violent. It is something that is sort of copied in films. It has influence. I <laughs> The soundtrack, I can't really defend. It was I, awful. But I think that the influence of the movie and that it's early work of Wes Craven, it is... I think the first thing that Sean Cunningham and Wes Craven ever worked on together, they hadn't, they sort of met right before they did this, that it was bringing Grindhouse into the more regular theaters, the public reaction. There, there was a lot of protest against this movie. There was a lot of 
controversy around this movie. But no, it's not a movie that I suggest every fan of horror watch regularly because it's not that kind of enjoyable. I think in the canon of horror films, it is it has its place of importance. Hmm. Okay. But like you said, you think it was disgusting. Well, yeah. I mean, like, I wasn't afraid at any point. Right. I, I mean, it, it, the movie didn't scare me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't scary. Which, that, okay, so you think maybe this should be categorized in a different kind of film? I mean, not no. necessarily. Horror covers a lot of things that aren't, but I guess that's like, it's interesting. I'm not saying it's wrong to like movies that make you feel uncomfortable. I watch horror movies because I think it's fun to be scared. So, or I like it when they're campy or like just so ridiculous that it's kind of like funny or shocking. But, um, I don't like to be made to feel disgusted. That's not an enjoyable feeling to me. Mm -hmm. And it's not a challenge that I look for. So the reason I'm, I'm turned off by things that are more, you know, based on that, like, torture-based, torture-porny, you know, kind of stuff. It, and and I, don't, I don't, I would not put this, you know, I, don't, I do not think Last House on the Left is torture porn by any stretch of the means. Um, you know, the other than the weird music, the, the violence against the women did not appear to be overtly sexualized. Um, you know, it, it's, it was supposed to be upsetting and gross. I mean, I got the feeling that yeah, it was supposed to be upsetting and gross, and it was. Um, and I mean, obvious, honestly, I was. It wasn't as graphic as I was, uh, as, as it could have been, which is you know could be a feature of the time. I mean, I feel like if you, I, I didn't see the remake, but I imagine the remake was probably like way more graphic, um, or I wouldn't be surprised if it was because you. Uh, there were times where he cut or moved the camera away that I feel like a director now might not. Mm. Um, because they don't have to. Right. And there was no convention. You know, the the bar's been moved. Um, but yeah, I don't, you know, so I wasn't afraid at any point in the movie. It didn't scare me. I felt like, I, I mean, I'm a woman who lives in the world and has seen movies. I mean, I'm pretty much new what was going to happen. It doesn't mean I didn't, I mean, I didn't love it. There were things I liked about it for sure. Like I didn't think it was like a piece of shit. That wasn't the implication I was trying to make. I was just kind of like starting a conversation or challenging, like why is this movie so important and why is it so popular? And like, let's talk about it because I didn't, I didn't get the feeling like I did at the end of the deliverance where I was like, wow, that was a really damn good movie. I can see why people like it so much. Like this one, it was kind of like, eh, you know, there was some cool things about it. And I think, I think what you said about its position of influence is probably the most important aspect of what you said to me and that you like watching a movie that makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, because that, like I said, that's a that's a difference. It's not a judgment call. It's just a difference. Right. Um, you, I, go ahead, please. That people seek out the sensation or the challenge 
uh, of a of a horror movie or a violent movie and what are what are you trying to get out of it after this and uh we'll probably be exploring this throughout this series but the movies that make me feel most dirty or gross or uncomfortable are ones with sexual violence and i i mean i love the revenge aspect i love that you know i love that <laughs> yeah your face was a lot better or uh um i was regretting this choice a lot less in those in when it switched over uh, I, I, again, not necessarily, you know, advocating for vigilante justice by any means, but I, I, I like to see the bad guys get their due, whether it's Lord Voldemort or Krug, I like to see the bad guy get his due. Um, that's just like, you know, talking about being entertained. Uh, I, I mean, art and media does not exist solely to entertain, obviously, Driving it in that direction is why we have the fucking shit swill of pop culture we have now. But at the same time, when you're choosing to engage with something, there's some kind of purpose behind it or motivation or enjoyment. And so for me, watching the bad guy gets, get, it, get their due is enjoyable to me and, and it's satisfying and something. You know, I work in social work. I work with... Um, you know, I've worked with survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence. You know, I've worked. I, I do a lot of things when my volunteer work and my job where the bad guys don't get their due. Right? Yeah. Because that's reality. And, you know, art, you know, can imitate life, whatever. Some people like that. But I mean, to a certain point, when I'm engaging with something in my free time... I don't necessarily want it to be just like real life. I want to see the bad guy get cut up with a chainsaw. Yeah. You know, uh, like, like that's what I want to see. For a more political slant, this was uh, two to three years before the end of the Vietnam War. So I wonder if it was, and Craven was relatively politically minded if he wasn't politically vocal um the brutal destruction of youth i think that's a stretch was it well i do and if he is doing that then fuck him because i'm pretty like fed up with women as um objects for male uh angst and action and um ways to play out what what men are struggling with or what's on their minds and hearts. Um, I think that's bullshit. Uh, it's a tired trope. It's common. And and it's like, I, I but it, I do like that you brought up Vietnam because I was thinking about that with Deliverance. And I was thinking about um, that time and what we hear about what it was like in that time. And I think part of for better or for worse, why deliverance wasn't as upsetting to me is because it was male-on-male violence, not male-on-female violence. And it was men making a movie about male-on-male violence, not men making a movie about male-on-female violence. But I did like that one of the bad guys was a lady. Um, That's real. 
women do bad shit. Um, so I didn't, I did not find the portrayal of the female characters to be as shallow as I feared. Mm. Uh, I did not find them to be these, you know, just passive agents of male whatever, which is good because I hate that. And I wasn't expecting that. But yeah, if he, if, if you can think whatever you want, but if Wes Craven was like, I want to tell you that this is about <coughs> destruction of youth in the Vietnam War, I would be like, fuck you. Fuck you. And I don't think I've seen anything that would enforce my suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> Other than he was politically minded. He got fired from his job at his college newspaper for allowing... And he, he did go to a religious college, but he published or allowed the publishing of an article that was against segregation. And... Or wait, an article... Yes, that was against segregation and another one that was for something that uptight religious people hate. I forget. But uh, they even shut down the paper for a while. So I just think that sometimes there's a little bit of... But there's obviously, like we talked about, the Greek tragedy influence on this movie. I think that's actually been stated. Well, and I I mean, I... Going back to that time of Vietnam and, um, you know, post-60s cultural revolution getting into the 70s. I mean, I think the nihilism of the the villains Mm -hmm. is more, and the senselessness of the violence was more, that's where I see the connection. More than the youth. And that does have to do with youth, so you're not wrong. But, like, that's, like... It's not an anti-Vietnam War movie, per se. Well, no, but, like, Vietnam was a bunch of, like, bullshit, senseless violence and senseless death. And and there was a, a spirit of nihilism about it because it was a bunch of kids going and getting, you know, murdered to... For nothing. For this weird political... I mean, at least... In Iraq, they're going and getting murdered for oil for rich people. I mean, I'm not saying that's good, but at least the motivation is clear. Like, in Vietnam, there wasn't even that. It was just, like, this weird foreign pot. Like, there wasn't even money behind it. So, like, yeah, just the senselessness of the violence. This period, right, in in horror and exploitation film and in pornography was kind of, like, a, a turning point, right? Like, this was the beginning of pushing the envelope and going as far as you could go and not stopping and showing it all and, um, you know, increased violence. And I feel like there's, you know, probably a lot that we could say uh, about that. You know, and I, 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 of course, think the, you know, commentary on the parents, like everyone's potential for violence and their ability to do that, to get revenge or whatever. It's interesting. Well, I made it. <laughs> you made it. You made it all the way through. Made it uh, all the way through. Is there anything else you would like to say? I know you gotta get going. Um, I but mean, thank you for putting yourself through this. Oh, thank you. Yes, yeah. I don't have to get going, but I'm going downtown to watch May May West Noir. 
and drink wine. Forget about the last house on the left. I don't know that I'll ever forget about it. But at least now I can say I've seen it. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, definitely, definitely did not uh, like it as much as I like Deliverance. But, meh. <laughs> I think it's overrated. But I think because of where it sits historically. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like it's kind of like Pink Floyd. I hate Pink Floyd. Um, but without Pink Floyd, we wouldn't have Nine Inch Nails, which I love. So I respect Pink Floyd. I don't hate Pink I mean, Gilmore Pink Floyd's fine. I don't like Roger Vaughn. Va- I hate the wall. You know this about me. I do. They don't. Okay, people, I hate Pink Floyd. But I recognize that Pink Floyd has a really important role to play in the history of rock. And again, without Pink Floyd, no Nine Inch Nails. So I kind of feel like I don't like Last House on the Left. I don't really want to watch it. But without Last House on the Left, we might not have gotten or wouldn't have gotten Hostel. That's probably not a good example. I don't like Hostel as much as I like Nine Inch Nails. But like, I mean... What, uh, what, Black Christmas came out a couple years later? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of things that come later that I like more. I like Friday the 13th more. I like, and I, Hostel's okay. Hostel's a conversation for another time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just, I get that. You are not alone. <laughs> what? We are not alone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what was that? Um, isn't that Pat Benatar? Uh, that is definitely Pat Benatar. That wasn't what I was saying. Uh, anyway, thank you, wife. You're welcome. For watching this with me. It can go in the back of the DVD shelf once more. Thanks for talking about it with me and doing this. Um, as always, listeners, we welcome your comments, your feedback, your hate mail. But do it at your own risk is all I'm going to say. Oh, because she's got a microphone. I'm going to respond. And she might be drunk next time. He didn't let me drink this time. That's probably good. We drank much last night. Oh my God, I know. Um, it was really bad. Thanks again, everybody. I'm sure there'll there'll be rape survivor or booby trap making tips in the show description. Watching stuff like this can bring up a lot of feels if you're a survivor or a friend or family member of someone who is and... Like, don't be afraid to <coughs> process that. Reach out. Yeah, maybe, I think a link to some good booby trap making resources could be interesting. And never let them take you to the second location. That's right. So Even if it's your backyard. Thanks again. Try to take care of each other. As always, duck and cover. And now, never let them get you to the second location. Uh... That's a lot more important than duck and cover, and it'll help you out a lot more.
Celebration over 